I'm grateful for the privilege of doing so this morning. I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles and have them ready for one main passage. I'll be reading other verses. I apologize that I don't have those prepared for the screen, so you'll have to go the old-fashioned way and uh, scroll through your Bibles. <laughs> now, did you catch that? That happened in our Sunday school class one time several months ago. Someone was helping the children look up some verses. They said, now just scroll over to in their Bibles, okay? <laughs> That's a mixture of the technology and the old-fashioned ways. But if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go to the book of Psalms and find chapter 71, if you would, please. Psalm 71. The entire chapter is a prayer. It's a conversation uh, between a child of God and his God. It's, it's him talking to his God. And uh, we're, not gonna, we're, we're not going to read the entire chapter for the sake of time, but I'm going to ask you to zero in on with, with me on two verses of this conversation. So Psalm 71, and begin please at verse 17. David says, talking to his God, he says this, Psalm 71, verse 17. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to every one that is to come. Oh, I love those verses. I love those words expressed to God from a child of God. In this conversation with God, David mentions two different seasons of life. In verse 17, he says, from my youth. And then in verse 18, he says, when I am old. Now, you'll have to pardon me. I'm not sure that the next two words really are in the originals where it says, and gray-headed. Um, I'm not really sure that that's uh, supposed to be there. No, I'm just joking, okay? It is, all right? It is supposed to be there. But he mentions those two seasons of life. And I'd like to do something this morning, just before we get into the Word, basically. I'd like to take a poll of our audience today. All right, would you help me out, please? Okay, if you're here today and you consider yourself as young, would you raise your hand, please, right now? All right, give you a moment. You're, you're, some of you are trying to decide about that, okay? All right, thank you. Now, if you're here today and you say, Brother Tim, I'm comfortable with this. I, I, I consider myself to be old. Would you raise your hand? I see some people helping other people get their hands up, okay? All right, thank you. And because of that, I think I need to ask a third question, that is this. If the person next to you did not answer truthfully, would you raise your hand on behalf of... Look at that, look at that. I mean, there's a bunch of liars in here this morning. Okay. <laughs> oh, me. Hey, you know, regardless of what season of life we <laughs> are in, there are some precious truths in these... Uh, in these words expressed to God from David, and I want us to share those together this morning. Uh, somebody said, how do you know when you're old? You know you're old when you have to have someone to help you get your rocking chair going. <laughs> so if you can manage that, you're not old, okay? All right? If you can manage that on your own, you're okay. Now, I have three main thoughts I'd like to share with you this morning that I have blessed my heart from these verses, from these, these words to God. And here are the three. First of all, we're going to consider a blessed testimony. 
And then secondly, a worthy response. And lastly, a stirring passion. Go back again, if you would, please, to the very beginning of verse 17. And let's observe this blessed testimony that David has. Nine words is all this testimony consists of. He says this, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. Now, there's two very simple, and, and I hope you'll uh, forgive me how simple these are, but there are two simple observations from David's testimony that I want you to see with me today. The first one is this. Based upon what we just read, we can say David had a personal and intimate relationship with God. Now, nothing profound about that. How can we know this? Because he talked with God. He had an intimate, personal relationship with his God. We know it because he talked with his God. He said to his God, Oh God, you, you have done this. He communicated, he fellowshiped with his God, we might say. I'm afraid that many times we get used to calling these, and I myself am struggling with it, to be honest with you. We get used to calling these, these words here verses of Scripture, which they are. But they're, but, they're, but they're the words of an individual child of God talking to his God. It's communication. There's an intimacy there. There's a communion with this God that he knows. You know, to David, God was not some impersonal creator who maintained his distance in the heavens. No. God was as near and as real as any earthly friend. Could I say it again simply? David talked with God. Now, we will, again, take the time to read all these, but let me just give you this very briefly, quickly, as we look back at the beginning of the chapter. Verse 1, he said this, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. He's talking to God. Lord, in you I put my trust. In verse 3, be thou my strong habitation. He's talking to God. You say, well, Brother Tim, I know that. Yes, but it's powerful. It's simple, but it's powerful. He has a relationship with the God of the universe and he can talk with his God and he does talk with his God. In verse 5, for you, Lord, for thou art my hope, O Lord God. Verse 7, thou art my strong refuge. In verse 12, O God, be not far from me, O my God, make haste for my help. The simple question for us today is this, do you and I, do we talk with God? Is our relationship with God an intimate relationship? Do we talk? Now, I know that's, that's almost like, wow, Tim, or you're asking a group here where there's a lot of Christians present that have been saved for many years. Are you sure you really want to ask that question? Yeah, I, I really do. Because if we're not careful as, as children of God, we can get so busy living life and even sometimes so busy serving the Lord that we neglect the Lord of the work. We, I'm including myself, we sometimes will neglect talking to our God. But David did not. Here we see he, he communed, he, he talked to his God. Makes me think of a story. There was a guest preacher at this church one time. And he was back in the office, in the pastor's office, getting ready to come out and preach. pastor knew that. And it was getting close to service time and so the pastor sent his young son, young boy, said, honey, go back and if you would get our speaker and tell him it's time for the service to start. Well, the little boy obeyed and he went back and as he got close to the office, the door was closed and he heard inside the office something like this. In just a few minutes, I'm going to go out on that platform and speak 
And I don't want to go if you don't go with me. And then he heard, I need you. I need you there with me tonight. I want you there. The little boy turned, went back to his daddy. His daddy said, did you tell him it's time to start? He said, well, dad. He said, he's coming. And whoever else that is in there with him, I think he's coming too. <laughs> I love that little story. But it convicts my soul to think about this. Is my prayer life that real? Could someone hear me talk to God? Is it a part of my life? Is it, a, is it a part of the fabric of my life that I talk to God? Now, there's a second thing we can learn, I believe, from this blessed testimony. We can learn from it that David had a conscious, now listen very carefully if you would, please. David had a conscious awareness of the work God had done in his life. Did you hear that? David had a conscious awareness of the work God had done in his life. Now, he made this statement. Look again at verse 17 in your Bibles, would you please? Would you look down at verse 17 for just a moment? And if you have it, would you read it aloud with me? O oh God, thou hast taught me from my youth. Thank you. Yes. I forgot to tell you where to stop, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your participation. Oh God, thou hast taught me from my youth. David had a conscious awareness of what God had done in his life. Now it's interesting. Listen to this. The word taught in the Hebrew language means to goad, G-O-A-D. It's a reference to the oriental rod, a long pole sharpened on one end used to urge livestock forward. It's reminiscent of the good shepherd's rod used to discipline and teach his sheep. So listen now very carefully to what David's saying in this blessed testimony. What is he saying to his God? God, I am aware, I know you have been working in my life from my youth. You've been goading me, teaching me, working in my life from my youth. I see that, I know that, God. He had a, he had a, a conscious awareness that God had worked and was working in his life. Now, listen very carefully again, please. David's testimony was not this, and I don't, I don't want you to misunderstand me here. He did not say, I have been in attendance at the tabernacle from my youth. He didn't say that. David did not say, I have committed to memory much scripture from my youth. That's not his testimony, is it? His testimony is this. <laughs> God, you've been teaching, goading and working in my life from my youth. I am aware that you have been at work in my life. Now you say, Tim, why did you, why did you mention the two knots? What he didn't say. It's for this reason. You know, it's possible. Oh, may the Lord help us. May the Lord help us. It's possible for a person to have attended church from childhood and to have memorized much scripture and yet not be aware of the God who is in his life, working in his life. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe that it is possible for a child of God to be so blinded for different reasons, but uh, we could talk about those today, but so blinded to the reality of his God that he does not see that God's been working in his life. But David did. What a blessed testimony. <laughs> I'm talking to my God, and I'm telling him something right now. God, I know you've been at work in my life from my youth. 
You've been goading me. You've been teaching me. Now, I want to tread lightly here, so to speak. I know that each of us who are saved are unique as children of God. And as a wise, heavenly father, God tailors his dealings with us individually. I do not want to impose my own personal journey or experience on any of you. However, I must say this. On the basis of the word of God, every child of God ought to be able to give that same testimony as David did. God, you've been working in my life from my youth. As a matter of fact, if you go back and read the earlier verses in this chapter, he even says, God, you were there when I was born. You were working. That's the sovereign God. That's the creator of the universe. And we may not see it, but it's true nonetheless. What a blessed testimony. I think of the many, many things that I could share with you from my own personal journey. That I look back, and I've got, got to be honest with you, one of my favorite things, it really is, and I don't say that but put a feather in my cap, it just blesses me, is when I stop and look back on my journey, and I can give testimony, all the glory goes to the Lord, but I can give testimony today, folks, that my God has been working in my life from my youth. Not because I'm in the ministry. No, it's because I'm a child of God. <laughs> Are you with me? You see, uh, as a senior in high school, I began to drift away. Really, actually, a little bit before that. I began to drift away from the Lord. And whereas the church had been the center of my life, and I loved the people of God, I loved being with people of God, I made some choices that led me down some wrong paths. And as a result, I strayed from the Lord, and I, I moved into a, 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 a phase of my life as a 16-year-old boy where I was rebelling against God. And I knew I was. I was consciously aware that I was, I was not going to let God have first place in my life. I'd already made a different choice. And I was living that way. I was miserable. I was turning against the people that loved me the most because I was wrong with God. And one evening in my senior year of high school, October the 28th, 1971, I was, going, I was riding on a motorcycle, going back to my house, to my mom's house, and I was turning where I had turned so many times before, to make a left-hand turn onto the street where we lived. And uh, for some reason, it was at dusk, and I did not see the car coming. I saw a line of traffic behind that car, but I did not see that car. So I turned directly in front of an elderly man that was going about 45 miles an hour, and so he had no choice but to hit me directly on the right side. I turned directly, he hit me broadside. And the motorcycle flipped out from underneath me, and I went up on the hood of the car, and I rolled off into the dirt, and I lay there in the dirt with my face down. I remember crying out for someone to turn me over. And I could tell you so many blessed things about, the, about what the Lord did for me and how he spared me. But the ambulance took me to the hospital. And when the doctor came down later that night, a group of people from my church had gathered there in the lobby of the hospital. I shared this story with our senior citizens a couple months ago in much more detail. But the folks had gathered at the church to pray. Our pastor had contacted people and said, hey, we need to pray for Tim. They knew I was away from the Lord. They knew I was out of the will of God, but yet they came and prayed for me. And when the doctor came out of surgery, he said to my mom and dad, we're not sure your son will live tonight. If he does make it tonight, we'll probably amputate his right leg. I had multiple compound fractures just on my right leg. Woke up in intensive care. That was the first day of three and a half months in the hospital. Sent home in a hospital bed with a body cast. So not walking altogether for five or six months, of my senior year of high school. But folks, I want to tell you something. I have a blessed testimony today. And here's that testimony. I know, I am consciously aware 
that my God has worked in my life from my youth. I can give that testimony. All the glory goes to the Lord. Child of God, how about you? It doesn't have to be something traumatic like an accident. It could be someone who loves you just speaking a word of rebuke to you. And God used that as a goad. Some message that you heard, God used it as a goad to kind of prick you and say, you're not living right. You know I love you and I've got great things in store for you. I'm, I'm pursuing you in love, son, daughter. How about it? Anybody here can give that testimony along with me today? Do you know that God has worked in your life from your youth? Would you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. What a, blessed, what a blessed testimony. You know, maybe the more accurate question today is not this. Has God been working in your life from your youth? But rather, are you aware that he has? Because I believe, folks, he has and he is today. So maybe that's the more accurate question. Are we aware that he is endeavoring and that he is working? If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I've got some good news for you. And I mean that genuinely, okay? Luke 19, 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you know that from the time you were born, the Son of God has been seeking you because He loves you? He wants you to know Him. He wants to have a relationship with you and you to have a relationship with Him. So I can say, even if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, God has been at work in your life. How many of you could give testimony today that before you came to know Christ, you look back on circumstances and you can see the hand of God designing things to bring you to himself? Anybody here can give that testimony today? Praise the Lord. I see a lot of hands across this auditorium. God is at work. If you're unsaved today and you're visiting with us in the service, thank you for coming. But the good news is the God we've been singing about today, he's been working in your life the whole time. And he wants you to come to him. He's trying to goad you. He's trying to teach you to draw you to himself. And then, obviously, as a child of God, if you're here and you say, Tim, I know I'm saved, I'm glad to tell you this, that your God has been and he is at work in your life, listen very carefully, endeavoring to make you more like Christ. And you say, Tim, how do you know that? Listen very carefully again. Romans 8, 28, we all know it. And we know, well, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. But what about verse 29? What is that purpose? What, what, is, what, is all the, what is the good that God takes all things and works them towards? What is the good? Is it our good health? Is it our financial prosperity? Is it our material prosperity? Is it a healed relationship? Well, those are all things that we can lift before the Lord. But in the context, folks, listen to me. In the context of Romans 8 and 28 and 29, I believe what God is saying is this. I have committed myself to work in the life of every one of my children to make that child more like Jesus Christ. We are predestined. The next verse, verse 29 says, and those whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate. You say, oh, I'm, that's it. no, no. There's no reason to be afraid of that word, okay? Because the word goes on and says, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. If you're here today and you, and you know Christ as your savior, you are predestinated to become like Jesus. Now, it'll happen the day we see him on it, right? Amen? Yeah, John said that. We shall be like him when we see him. But do you know, folks, our God that we sang about today, brothers and sisters in Christ, our God longs. Paul said he even labors in travail 
that he himself labored and travailed over new converts until Christ be formed in them. If Paul labored and travailed to see someone become more like Christ, how much do you think our God longs for his children to be like Christ? Huh? He has committed himself. And so, I can tell you today, you may not be aware of a child of God, but your God that we worship today has been and he is working and he can use all things for the good of us becoming more like his son. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I'm grateful for that. And that's not always pleasant, is it? <laughs> hey, the goad is not a very pleasant thing to think about, is it? That, that goad, that long pole with that pointed end, sometimes clad with iron on the end of it. No, that's not a pleasant thing. But oh, praise the Lord for what he's done in our lives with the goad. I wouldn't be here today. I, I literally would not be here. I wouldn't be serving the Lord if he hadn't sent goads into my life. And he still does. And we ought to just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for that. What a blessed testimony. Well, secondly, we not only see a blessed testimony in these words expressed to God by David, we see a worthy response. <coughs> Excuse me. Look again at verse 17. Oh God, thou hast taught me from my youth Oh, what a next statement here. And hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Ooh, you ready for this? Why does God work in our lives? Well, there are many reasons. I believe David gives one of them here. It is so we will share it with others. Do you hear what David's saying? He's talking to God. And he's saying, God, you've been at work in my life. I'm consciously aware that you've been working in my life from my youth. And God, I want to say something to you. I have been faithful to declare your good works to others. So God does not just work in our lives for our good. He works in our lives so that we might be a blessing to others. That we might be a channel through whom he can minister to others. We see that all through the word of God. Sometime when you have the time, go back and read 2 Corinthians 1. Please don't do it right now, but 2 Corinthians 1 is fantastic. <coughs> Excuse me. Fantastic. Three or four verses there in the opening of the chapter that talks about how that God comforts us so that we can comfort others. What a worthy response. God works in our lives and then he desires to work through our lives. All that God has done and is doing has not been and is not for our good only. Oswald Chambers said this. Boy, don't you love the writings of Oswald Chambers? Wow, how profound. What insight into the Christian life. Listen to this. Oswald Chambers said, <clears throat> if you're going to be used by God, he will take you through a multitude of experiences that are not meant for you at all. They are meant to make you useful in his hands. Whoa. Whoa. Now, I can deal with something if I, I maybe, if I can think that God's going to use this bad thing for my good. But if he's going to take me through something just for the sake of somebody else, oh, that's a different story, isn't it? But David said to his God, <coughs> you've worked in my life, and I have declared your works. We ought to be telling people about what God's done in our lives. We ought to be doing that, brothers and sisters in Christ. Who, to whom should we declare his wondrous works? Well, first of all, think with me very briefly, if you would. We ought to be talking about God to our families. To our families. In Psalm 78, listen to this. I'll read it quickly. 
Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Now listen to this. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in, the, in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Listen to this. That the children to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Hey, for sure, for sure, we ought to be talking with our family about what God's doing in our lives. It ought to be a part of our conversation. How are you doing in that area, brother, sister in Christ? How often are, is God's goodness and what he's doing brought up in your home, in your home? How often do you talk about that? We ought to be talking about God's wondrous works. We ought, to be, we ought to be declaring them to our families. But secondly, I like this. We ought to be declaring what God's done to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Psalm 66, verse 16 says, Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he's done for my soul. Hey, you know the Lord, you fear God? Come here. I want to tell you what he's been doing in my life. <laughs> and here's another question for us to think about. How often does what God's doing in our lives, what he's up to, what he's done, how often is that a part of our conversation with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we talk about the Lord with one another? Do we share sometimes, man, the Lord really blessed me with this verse this week. Can I tell you about what he gave me? I have a brother, I wish I could tell you, and sometimes I will, about his amazing salvation, how he, he, he uh, just such a transformation of his life. And he was responsible then for other guys coming to know the Lord. And he discipled those guys. He spent a lot, a lot of time with guys one-on-one just helping them in their, in their spiritual journeys. And uh, he was a, a man who would, uh, I would say he had a passion for the Lord. And he's not a critical type of guy. He never has had a critical spirit. But one day we were just talking about our journeys, our spiritual journeys, and he made this statement to me. He said, you know, Tim, he said, sometimes, he said, I've gone up to a brother sometimes at church, and I've begun to share with that brother what God's doing in my life. And he said, Tim, sometimes, he said, they look at me like, what planet are you from? And we laugh, and yeah, I'll join you. But folks, that's a sad commentary. When the things of God and the works that he's done in our lives are so foreign to us that we're uncomfortable when someone shares them. Wow. May God help us to be a vibrant body of Christ here with the body life happening where we talk with one another about the Lord. Where we tell each other what he's doing in our lives. Where we share what he's given us from the word. We need that. By the way, I believe that's a New Testament church. Are you with me? I believe that's New Testament Christianity. I really do. Now, child of God, what kind of response? I said David gave a worthy response, and he did. Lord, you've been working my life. I've been telling everybody. <laughs> what kind of response have we given for all that God's done and is doing in our lives? Can we say with David, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works? Have we shown a worthy response to God for all that he's done and that he's doing in our lives? How about a brother and sister in Christ? And then lastly, as we listen in on this, this, this conversation between David and his God, here's the last, the final thing. When he said this in verse 18, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, 
Forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Don't you just love that? Can you hear the passion? Can you hear the, the stirring passion that David has? I love this. He says, God, I'm old and I'm gray-headed now. But God, please don't stop working in my life. God, please continue to work through my life. And he actually says, Lord, I'm asking this for the sake of those who are going to come behind me. I want to be found faithful, letting people see the reality of God in my life as they come in my footsteps. What a passion. What a stirring passion to have. I have to think and share this with you. In Alabama, at our church there, a dear precious lady, wow, <laughs> Miss Amy, 80 years old, maybe this time last year, let's see, yeah, we were serving together, a team of about seven or eight people at a local elementary school, there's an elementary school almost just a half a mile from our church, and both the Lord blessed and gave us a wonderful ministry with the kid, to the kids there, they, they would allow us to come in and have good news clubs. Some of you may be familiar with Good News Clubs, Child Evangelism and Fellowship. And boy, we saw kids come to know the Lord. We never gave an invitation. Nothing wrong with giving an invitation. We'll give one today here, all right? But we never gave an invitation. We just prayed and we saw the Holy Spirit draw children. They would come to us one, just one-on-one one -on -one and say, could I talk to you more? I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'd like to know how I can be a part of God's family. And it was precious to see these children come to the Lord. Well, the school closed down because of COVID, you know, and all that kind of went, went to the side. So since we were so close, we said, well, hey, maybe we can have it at our church. We're just a half mile away. We have a gymnasium. We have a youth building right there attached where we can have our meetings. So we did. And we, we began to have probably anywhere from, you know, well, at that time it, it diminished quite a bit. We had been running, I don't know, 60 or 70 kids in the three clubs that we had at the school. Now it was down to about 20, 15 or 20 every week came. But, man, we loved those kids. We had known them for years. And been ministering to him, sharing the gospel. But listen to me. This dear lady by the name of Amy, she's 80 years old. She was a part of our leadership team. And do you know what her responsibility was? Miss Amy was our game director. Did you hear that? An 80-year-old woman was our game director. And I got to tell you, back last spring, I, I, I would pull up my phone and take pictures of the gym, of her leading those kids in games. And I'll never forget this. She led them in this game called kickball. You've played that, haven't you? Yeah. And one of those kids gets up and kicks a line drive. It's about four feet off the floor. It's going with all the power right at her. She's playing like shortstop. And Miss Amy, 80 years old, I saw her with my own eyes. She lunged after that ball. I thought, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> now, we may be limited Amen? Yes, we are, <laughs> as we get older. And we may, not, we, may not, we may not even be able to do what that 80-year-old dear sister Amy did. But I know this. I want to have a stirring passion to make a difference in this world until he calls me home. I don't want to just occupy a chair. I want God to use me to make a difference that's going to impact eternity. A stirring passion. You know, many of us are here as older saints. The question is, do we still have that kind of passion like David did when he said, Lord, I'm old and gray-headed, but don't forsake me. Please keep working in my life so I can be a blessing to others. Do we have that passion? Or could I ask this? 
Did we lose it somewhere along the way? Maybe you're here today and say, Tim, I, I don't know what age you are and it doesn't really matter. But you say, yeah, I used to. And I used to be excited about. And I used to be passionate about. Have, have we lost that somewhere, away, somewhere along the way? Let me read something to you very brief and I'll close with this. I came across this and boy, it has ministered to me and it still does. I hope it will to you. For those of us who have been Christians for a while, it becomes easy. Are you with me now? It becomes easy to think that we've pretty much exhausted the possibilities of the Christian life. Now, he's just being honest here. I like this. We can settle into a routine of activities at church and in our small groups and our Bible studies with little expectation of anything new. The familiar becomes the predictable, and everything from here on out will be more of the same. Oh, may the Lord, may we cry out and say, God, keep me from ever landing there. Lord, stir me afresh and anew. Move in my heart. Give me my passion back. Give me my vision back. May we never be found where we were at this place that I just read about. The familiar becomes the predictable, and everything from here on out will be more of the same. Now listen to this analogy very carefully. We dip our teaspoon into the vast ocean of the living God holding that teaspoon in our hand. We say, this is God. We pour it out into our lives and we say, this is the Christian experience. But God calls us, listen, brother and sister in Christ, God calls us to dive into the ocean. He calls us into ever new regions of His fullness, His immensity, His all-sufficiency. There is much more for us in Christ. Oh, listen to this. There is much more for us in Christ than we have yet apprehended. Do you believe that? Is there more in, is there more in Christ in your own personal journey? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has more for you? That He wants to do in you and through you? There is more for us in Christ than we have yet apprehended. Let's never think that we have Him figured out, or that we've seen all that he can do. Oh, God, keep us from that. A.W. Tozer made these comments. Anything God has ever done, ever done, he can do now. Anything God has done anywhere, he can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. Let's do business with our Lord today. A blessed testimony, a worthy response. And then this final statement, Lord, keep working in my life. I've got a stirring passion. Let's pray together. All right, would you bow your heads with me, please? Could I ask before we have a song of invitation, is there someone here today that would say, Tim, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know the Lord as my personal Savior. I, there's never been a time in my life where I gave my heart to Him. But I'm concerned about my soul. You say, Brother Tim, would you pray for me? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, across the auditorium, would you, would you raise your hand for just a moment and let me see so I can pray for you? I'm not going to come to you, but I would like to pray for you. Say, Tim, I'm here and I do not know Christ as my Savior, or I'm not sure I know Christ. Pray for me, anyone, anywhere. I'll give you just a moment. Brother and sister in Christ, 
How are things between you and the Lord? Do you have a blessed testimony? Are you living out a worthy response? Have you lost your stirring passion? You say, Tim, I just want to acknowledge that the Lord has moved in on my row and he has spoken to my heart today in a very specific way. Pray with me that I'll follow the Lord. I'll be obedient. Would you raise your hand if you're here today as a child of God? You say, Tim, God has moved in on my row in my chair. I want to say, pray for me. God has spoken to me. Would you raise your hand just a moment? Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Folks, as we close here now with a song, let me encourage you. If God's speaking to you, this is, this is one of the most important times in your life. It's always important when God speaks. I just encourage you to do whatever he wants you to do. Father, thank you for those who've gone before us, like David, who have left these words for us to be challenged by, to be blessed by, to be encouraged by. I pray that you will be allowed now, Lord, to do the work in all of our lives that you desire to do. As I preach today, I know you are at work. It's just a matter of not whether we're aware and we're cooperating maybe with what you're trying to do. So have your way today as we sing together. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand please together and let's sing this song again. Lift up your voice. Let's stand please if you would. about your journey with the Lord. If you need to come, come on, there's personal workers down front. Come right ahead. The, the grace of God, God has reached for me. Here's what he's done. And pulled me from the raging 